Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. By no one's demand, but our own, and from our home office here in beautiful Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee, it is the 615 Sessions Podcast, brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. So a lot of moving parts today on the show with a little bit of breaking news sprinkled in between. Mike Vrabel finalized his coaching staff today with no defensive coordinator, announced, indicating that likely, as our friend Teron Davenport reported earlier last week, that Mike Vrabel will assume play-calling roles defensively. So, what we have prepared for you today is Emily Proud and myself, you know Emily from WKRN News 2, we're going to talk about Mike Vrabel as a defensive play caller in his third year as head coach. We're going to get to Jim Nagy, the draft coverage that I promised you some people to watch out for on your radar. Jim's the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. And then we're going to cap it all off with a little bit of orange flavor with the guy who is hosting, one of the guys who is hosting, the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast, which you can now rate, review, and subscribe to as well in the A to Z Sports Podcast feed. Charlie Burris is going to join us at the end of today's show to preview what happened with the Vols, or I guess review what happened with the Vols on National Signing Day. All that ahead on today's 615 Sessions. Back here, 615 Sessions Podcast, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Very pleased to have back on the show Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese Senior Bowl. Kind enough to give us some of his time. Jim, uh, I could not help but smile every time I saw Debo Samuel make a play in the Senior Bowl because I know how effective and how much Kyle Shanahan and that staff loved him down there in Mobile, Uh, and uh, to see him shine in the Super Bowl after being such a standout in the Senior Bowl made me think of all the fine prospects that we're going to see coming up here pretty shortly. Yeah, no, it was, uh, thanks for having me on again, Buck. Yeah, that was was pretty cool. Debo had a great week down here last year in Mobile, Um, and yeah, they did. The 49ers kind of 
kind of you know took a liking to him down here and i ran into west welker later in the spring uh in march and he was gushing about him so on draft day to know that uh, Wes is the wide receivers coach there in san fran now so when they drafted him i knew west got his guy and the guy that he wanted and then to uh to see debo step in as a rookie and make the impact that he made was uh it was pretty awesome just how how valuable is that time that those coaching staffs get to spend with the guys down there in Mobile. Obviously, when the season ends, they're typically on the disappointing side of the win-loss margin, but this this time they seem to get with these guys uh, almost almost invaluable in terms of draft research and prep. Yeah, no, it's, it's totally invaluable. Uh, like you said, you're, you're, you're coaching in Mobile. It means you probably had a pretty tough year. Uh, but just to show what, what uh, San Fran was able to do, and uh, cool, cool for us here in the office to see after the NFC Championship game with the uh, Mobile to Miami T-shirts that the Niners had. Um, but it does. It, it, you know, I think every team, if they come down here and roll their sleeves up um, and attack the Senior Bowl, they can get a ton of takeaways from down here and really learn these players. It's the only the only part of the process where they you know get exposure to them for seven days. Because even at the combine in Indy, you know, four or five days, I mean, you don't get a lot of time in front of the players. You know, they're they're in medicals, they're in psychological testing. Um, you know, they're very rarely in front of the, the you know, the people from the 32 teams. So um, it's a huge week and the teams that are coaching even more. So you get them, you get them behind the scenes, you get them, you know, at training table, three day, three meals a day, you get them in the meeting rooms, you, uh, you know, you, you just, you just get all the, all this, all the real good stuff, you know, that makes these guys pros and, and successful pros. You figure out who's on time and who's late and who's attentive in meetings, and who's not, who can take coaching and who can't. So yeah, to coach in the game, it's, it's usually a, a little bit of a disappointing end of their season, but um, it can really, it can really set you up for a great draft. So you've gotten through another successful senior bowl. We're now through the Super Bowl and officially into the offseason. The Tennessee Titans here in Nashville had uh, about as successful a season by their standards, certainly in the time that I've been here covering them, but they have a lot of questions coming up, particularly when it comes to the pass rush and the coverage, the cornerback situation for them is something that is going to be an uncertainty until they figure out free agency. A lot of guys down there I saw clips being tweeted out of from the senior bowl who stood out to you jim at those two positions yeah they were you know i I felt like we were deeper at corner down here uh than we were a year ago the guys now that we've had a chance to really get through the tape some some guys that really stood out dane jackson from from Pitt had a great week uh really good week of practice wasn't tested much in the game that's a name that uh, you know, coming into the week, probably not a lot of people heard of. And, and same thing with Reggie Robinson. He's a six-one corner um, from Tulsa who had a who had a really good week as well. Darnay Holmes is a guy that stood out. He's a little nickel corner from UCLA. He's a junior. Um, really, you know, didn't have a great junior year for UCLA. Was nicked up a lot. Um, is going to test off the charts. Like Darnay is the name you're going to hear for the rest of the process because he's going to kill the combine. He's going to run really fast and jump out of the gym and, and all those things. But he had a really nice week. And then and then pass rush-wise, a couple guys really stood out, and that's Josh Uche from Michigan uh, and Bradley and I from Utah. Both the, you know Bradley and I is the all-time sack leader at Utah. He's uh, he's very much like Nick Bosa in the sense that he wins with his hand use. You know, he's he, he's powerful, but um, he's really skilled with his hands. And then Josh Uche is a guy that's just super athletic, um, can give you – he's a little undersized, but he's extremely powerful for his size. So um, he, can, he can shake you. He can do a lot with speed. 
and then he converts that to power and he, he's tough to handle. So uh, of all the rushers during the week, and there was a bunch of good ones, uh, but I'd say those two guys probably stood out the most consistently. Uche is somebody I saw you tweet out a, a little bit of a surprise that he wasn't getting more love after the senior bowl based on what he did. I guess if you could expand a little bit on the point that you were trying to get across with, with how he stood out to you in particular. Yeah, the guy looked like a first-round pick every single day. Um, and in the game, he was he was super, super impactful. Uh, you know, he's six one and a half. He's 245 pounds. He really fits best as like a 4-3 Sam linebacker or a 3-4 outside linebacker because he does have good arm length for his size. But like I said, he's, just a, he's a great athlete. You know, he's always got his feet under him. He can play in coverage. Michigan played him off the ball this year. And then down here during the week, he showed he can cover tight ends. He can cover backs. And then if you wherever you want to rush him from, because he's so bendy and so loose uh, and so explosive that he can win off the edge. He can win coming off stunts inside. Um, he can really cover ground as a blitzer. So he's a really cool chess piece on third down. You can use him in a lot of different ways. And again, when you're talking about first round picks, those guys don't grow on trees. I mean, the skill set that, that I just described. So um, I think he's there's going to be some uh, – He's going to gain momentum through the process. I mean, I think the more people sit down and really focus on him, um, they'll be surprised. It, it just, you know, what a great player he is. He, you know, he led them last year as a part-time player. Um, when I say last year, I mean his sophomore year, 2018. He led Michigan in sacks with seven sacks. He was playing behind Rashawn Gary, who was the, I think, the 12th pick in last year's draft, and, and Chase Winovich, who had a great year uh, as a third-round pick for the Patriots. He was playing behind those two guys, so this was really his – his first year as a full-time starter, um, but such a high ceiling. You know, again, you can't compare players, but, you know, to me, he's a better prospect than Rashawn Gary, and Rashawn Gary went 12th overall last year. Uh, when you talk about him being a unique chess piece, that, that seems to hit home a little harder nowadays that defensive fronts, at least, seem to be getting a little more positionless, for lack of a better term. I know Dean Pease obviously retired here as the defensive coordinator of the Titans, but he in the ability to use guys like Jarrell Casey as outside stand-up rushers and to kind of play around with Rashawn Evans the way that he did, trying to take advantage of one-on-one matchups in a way that you're not typically, I guess, used to seeing. Or, I mean, maybe you're used to seeing it by now, but just typically you don't associate that with defensive side of the football. Just how important is versatility for these guys coming out right now heading into the NFL? Yeah, it's absolutely critical. It's it's uh, you know to me it's always been a matchup league, but I think I think offensive coaches are thinking a lot more outside the box than they ever have. I think they're incorporating more college concepts to uh, fit quarterbacks and ease that transition into the pro game. So uh, and I think defenses have to be you know they have to be agile with that. And I think the the good coordinators have been Dean Pease. I was with Dean in New England for for a lot of years. Got a ton of respect for him. He's done a great job. And you bring up Rashawn Evans. He was uh, when I was scouting for the Seahawks a couple of years ago before I took this job. Um, he was my favorite defensive player in that draft a couple of years ago. And uh, to see what he's done there, I think Josh Uche for Titans fans, like very similar player, very similar guy to to, to Rashawn Evans. Um, can play off the ball, can fly sideline to sideline, and make plays. And the thing we loved about Rashawn when I was in Seattle is he he can affect the quarterback and, uh, and Josh can do that. And again, you can't, it's hard to find guys that can, can affect the quarterback and also play in coverage. So 
Um, Rashawn's actually pretty, I never thought about that. Rashawn's a pretty good comparison for Josh Uche. Uh, that's a, that's an interesting, that's an interesting place to, and it's been fun to see, it's been fun to see Rashawn develop because we all had an idea of what kind of player he could be coming in, but just how much he grew, particularly in this season. And I know he was dealing with some injuries at the end, but he was playing uh, some of the best football, or at least high caliber linebacker play. Uh, and the Titans have benefited greatly from it, him and Jayon Brown playing alongside next to each other. I guess, Jim, now that we're officially in mock draft season, it drives me crazy. And I don't know how somebody as you, uh, somebody as involved with the process of this, do you consume mock drafts at all? Like, I, obviously you have to see them on social media for as much time as you spend on there. But, like, how much credence do you give mock drafts as somebody in your position? I think they're entertainment. Um, you know, I think that they keep the masses entertained, and which which serves the function in the whole process, right? I mean, that's. But can it know, be okay. harmful? I guess can can it, it legitimately it be cer- harmful? It certainly can, Buck. It certainly can. Um, I actually don't pay a lot of attention to it. Um, we I had the guys in the office uh, look at him the other day and just you know see if there's any any names from the senior bowl that uh, are sticking out or, or, or not mentioned. And they said that uh, I wasn't even looking at him. Someone just mentioned that they didn't see Uche. So I wanted to make that point on Twitter, but um, no, it, it can, it can be harmful to the players themselves. And, and again, one of the nights during senior bowl week, we had uh, we got a big screen projection TV, you know, where the players eat and they had the NFL network on one night and they had the scrolling ticker with the mock for first drafts. And, I forget what player it was, but he's and he said, you know, how much should we be paying attention to that? You know, how real are those? And I was like, guys, they are strictly for entertainment value. I said, most of the, a lot of these guys that do these, you know, don't even have access to like coaches' tape. You know, they're watching like TV copy of you guys. So like, especially corners and wideouts and safeties, like you're off the screen half the time. Right. So, um, so it's I, I said, guys, it, it all serves, it all feeds the feeds the engine, the NFL draft engine, and that gets the fans excited and stirred up so it's all you know it's a positive thing uh, but for them it can be dangerous because they're you know if, if they put too much stock in it and they get preoccupied with it then they're not focused on their training and focused on you know what really matters and what and that's what the teams think so um yeah that's the danger of it is just the the players that put too much stock in it because then it just creates you know that's a lot it sets up a lot of players for letdowns on draft day they they see their names you know being mocked in the first and second round and they go in the fourth or fifth well you know then they, they're looking in the mirror saying well, what did i do wrong i you know i was going to be a first or second round pick and really they in the nfl's eyes they probably were never that high um and they went where they were they were probably projected to go all along uh, most of the time but you know sometimes media gets a hold of of a player and, and boosts his value and, and then the players it just kind of sets them up for disappointment i, I swear jim we're, we're vultures with it and yet i still find myself doing 10 of those mock draft simulators that the draft network has out now because i'm an addict <laughs> i can't help myself it's terrible uh so the Titans, and I'll get you out of here on this one. The Titans are in an interesting situation with running back. Derrick Henry, NFL's leading rusher last year, carried them to an AFC championship game and now is is officially a free agent, is likely going to test the market, and is so special of a player, particularly to Titans fans, that I fear there may be riots in the streets if they let him go. But if there is to be some kind of plan in preparation for the Titans to look to the draft for a running back, is there somebody at 29, because that's where they'll be picking in the first round, is there somebody at 29 who you believe could replace 
or at least come co come close to that kind of production and maybe add a little bit of receiving value out of the backfield? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and just in terms of the whole overall overarching philosophical on, on the value of a running back. And you just point to the Super Bowl with Raheem Mostart and uh, Damian Williams, you know, being undrafted free agent. And, uh, I think Damian was a sixth or seventh round pick, whatever he was. Um, so you have to look at that. You know, you have to look at that. And with John Robinson and Mike Grable coming from the Patriots, I mean, that's one of the one of the great things the Patriots have done, I mean, it's a little bit heartless at times, but they do place value at certain positions and they, they don't overpay. Uh, and again, I think Derrick Henry is a stud. I've been following that guy um, since I was scouting for the, for the Seahawks. I've got a picture of my son with him the year he won the Heisman Trophy after a two-a-day practice in August. And um, my son was about seven years old at the time. It was, it was one, of, it's one of his favorite pictures. So sure. I've, got a, I've got a soft spot for Derrick, too. He's, he's done a great job, and he's really grown into a, a great NFL player over the last couple of years. But it, it'll just be interesting to see how they assign that value to that position. Um, you know, there you got two teams in Miami the other night that were playing that didn't have first round running backs or Pro Bowl running backs per se. So um, it is a really deep running back class. And who's there at 29? That's just going to be based up where the run goes. Right. So there's, you know, every year at these deep positions, there's going to be teams that think they can wait on that position. So um, a lot of good junior running backs, you know, Taylor at Wisconsin and Swift from Georgia. And, you know, it's, it's a pretty good list. And even senior wise. Um, you know, last week we, you know, Zach Moss from Utah was committed to our game and got hurt, had to pull out. But, you know, you get LaMichael Pirine from Florida or Josh Kelly from UCLA who had a great senior bowl. Like there's to me, those guys are going to be really productive players. And you could probably get those guys in the fourth or fifth round at a, you know, a fraction of what you would have to pay a, a pro bowl level guy like like Derrick Henry. So that'll be interesting. And I, and I totally get what you're saying about your fan base. Uh, being attached to Derek and rights in the streets because um, that happens you know just my time in Seattle um, that's what Marshawn was you know Marshawn was Marshawn Lynch meant everything to the city of Seattle and that team and and uh, and the, yeah there's a huge attachment because he was kind of the heart and soul of your, of your team last year so but that'll be I, I don't have a great answer for you but that that's going to be interesting to see how they, they really assign the value of that position it'll be a fascinating offseason to cover to be sure and for fascinating off-season coverage and draft insight and analysis, excuse me, you can follow Jim at Jim Nagy underscore SB. You can follow the Senior Bowl at Senior Bowl on Twitter. Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese Senior Bowl, kind enough to give us some time here on the 615 Sessions. Jim, a pleasure as always to chat with you, and I know you're busy, so I appreciate the time. No, thanks for having me on, Buck. Take Anytime. Care. Back here, 615 Sessions Podcast, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports, Nashville.com has a new podcast. It's called the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast, and joining me is my new teammate, Charlie Burris. You can follow him on Twitter, at Charlie underscore Burris. He and Zach Reagan, at Zach TNT, they will be hosting the A to Z Sports Big Orange podcast once a week, is my understanding. Charlie, if I have that correct? Yep, uh, and, and it's looking like uh, right now uh, it's going to be every Thursday, ideally. I'm uh, going to try to record on Wednesdays, get it out on Thursdays, uh, and go from there. 
You have it from the man himself. Charlie, I appreciate you stopping by, brother. Congrats on the show. I, uh, I'm about halfway through the first episode on the heels of National Signing Day. What can you tell the people about the flavor that you and uh, our boy Reagan are going to bring to this pod? Well, I, I I know a lot of people already know me. I was on uh, Jason Swain's radio show. I was his co-host for a couple of years. Um, and so I I guess I would call my style, I'm definitely like a sarc- sarcastic, a little more cynical. But also I do try to be genuinely optimistic as much as I can be. Although, you know, when you have to call a spade a spade, I, I'm going to do that. And, and some people don't like that. Some people don't like that style. They want you to just give them, you know, sunshine and rainbows. And I can't do that all the time. Uh, but thankfully, I, I can say this. After signing day, the way that it's gone for Tennessee, we were able to have a really positive show uh, as our first episode. And um, obviously, I suggest everybody go listen to it if you're a Tennessee fan. You should enjoy it. Rate, review, and subscribe. It's available on iTunes, on Spotify, and on SoundCloud. I don't want to. I don't want you to give away all the content. I want the people to find the podcast for themselves and experience it for themselves. But they did have the Vols, a top ten recruiting class yesterday and it was uh or finished with a top 10 recruiting class yesterday and there is waves of positivity around this program in a way that there hasn't been charlie i know you can speak to that in some time i'm wondering what you make of the progress that jeremy pruitt made yesterday it's genuinely impressive i i can just say that much uh to think that Tennessee at one point lost to Georgia State, BYU, and back-to-back weeks. And people, including myself, are really thinking, uh, who is Tennessee going to have as their next football coach? Because this one ain't working out. Um, and to think that we were at that point at one time in the season, <clears throat> and, and now coming off 8-5, and five, nice bowl win over Indiana. And sorry about that to, to you. But, Shave uh, my head on Wednesday guy. at 1030 on the midday 180. So you guys can Ooh. stick around for that. I don't know if that, I don't know if that announcement has been made public yet, but I will, I part with my hair next Wednesday. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that one. Well, I'm um, glad you are, bud. Thanks. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Yes, I'm, I'm sorry about that, but, uh, <laughs> But to, yeah, just to, just to think that they they've gone from kind of this this black pit of despair to now, people are really thinking Pruitt has some serious momentum going, and not not only did he have this really solid recruiting class, uh, but also brought in uh, an offensive lineman from Georgia who's actually a, an Oxford native, Cade Mays, and he was a bona fide five star coming out of high school uh, and transferring from Georgia back to Tennessee, and uh, he's just really making. Big moves, Pruitt, uh, and it's it's been impressive, and I'm really looking forward to see how it goes. I, I am as well. I have been fascinated by uh, I've been fascinated by the Tennessee Volunteers since I have arrived in Nashville uh, and had to make them a day uh, a part of my day to day existence. They are. It's I I I am happy for Vols fans that there seems to be some kind of legitimate hope to cling to because for a while you know it was a little it was kind of funny it's kind of funny to see how out of control that they that they get it's crazy i've never seen anything like it in terms of passion and devotion and loyalty charlie but uh, the way that they tailspin every time something goes wrong it's nice to see them find find a little bit of footing for once in a while yeah i mean it, it is 
It is pretty insane. I, I can tell you, I, I, I did cover the Tennessee beat for ugh, how long? Uh, almost five years, just day to day. Going to all the press conferences and everything. I was there for Shiano Sunday and oh. uh, Ful- Fulmer's introduction afterwards, and and all all of that. Going to the airport to see who gets out of an airplane. You know, when when the administrators are going to do interviews, like I been there, been there, done that. And you're you're not wrong. Tennessee just gets itself into these situations for whatever reason they they do it to themselves and then on top of that the fan base is absolutely insane um and <laughs> that has been shown on a national scale uh and but it's in all honesty it's a ton of fun to cover it can be tiring at times no doubt about it uh but i i have an absolute blast just interacting with Tennessee fans uh on a day-to-day basis it's really been a joy being able to do it i'm really happy uh, i get to be back on their ways now Yes, the A to Z Sports Big Orange podcast. Again, rate, review, subscribe, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Charlie is hosting it with Zach Reagan, our fantastic all things Tennessee writer. Reagan's a machine, man. I uh, I have not I have not yet met Zach Reagan in person, but I'm a tremendous fan of his work, and I am I'm certain I will soon be a tremendous fan of Charlie Burris's work on the Big Orange podcast. Expect it in your podcast feeds. On Thursday, Charlie, kind enough to give us some of his time this afternoon. Buddy, I'm, uh, I'm excited to, uh, to see how it grows. I know you guys are going to kick ass with it, and uh, thanks for stopping by. Absolutely. Thank, thanks for having me, and I, I was telling you this off air. I genuinely, as a Titans fan, I think a lot of people, if you follow me on Twitter, I am a extremely emotional and avid Titans fan, uh, and your coverage is, is some of my, my favorites. So, uh you keep up the good work also, and we'll we'll team up and make this thing happen. Hell yeah, brother. I am uh, graciously joined in studio by a recurring guest co-host, Emily Proud of WKRN News 2, at Emily underscore Proud on Twitter, and for all of her Instagrammed pictures of Alvin, the Frenchie, what is your Instagram handle? Because it escapes me at this very moment. My personal or Alvin's? Alvin's. Alvin's. Well, and let, you can plug both. Okay. Well, Alvin's is just at Alvin Frenchie. Yes. And then mine is at Emily Proud underscore. Oh, see? Why, Somebody already took it. Moving the goalpost with the underscore. The underscore's driving me crazy. It's infuriating. Regardless... Uh, not as infuriating as the Super Bowl coverage. Emily and I were just talking off the air, and we decided, no, 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 this would be much better content. And we're going to talk about the news that came out about Mike Vrabel calling the plays for the Titans' defense, potentially, uh, reported by another one of our friends here on the pod, Teron Davenport. First, though, Super Bowl Live, Super Bowl L-I-V, down in Club Live in Miami. Um, the coverage has been obscene. Neither of us have decided to go to Radio Row for either personal or professional <laughs> reasons. And uh, I'm I'm honestly not terribly upset about it just because I feel like we've been traveling a lot over the past month and I'm happy to be home for a weekend. But Booger McFarland is out here making a scene on all of the television platforms and Emily and I were just discussing. Walk the people through what you witnessed on First Take today. 
First off, I'm not a loyal follower of First Take. I just want to make that clear. No, I just, no, no. You're I, here I enjoy... for the debate. Emily, I know. embrace debate. I know, but I don't want to be judged. I don't want think people to think that I wake up every morning and immediately turn on First Take. I, I like to flip around, and I love, especially during the Super Bowl, to see how everybody's playing up the whole Miami thing. The amount of white pants I saw on men this week is just absolutely terrifying and the neon is that a good look or a bad look because i've 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 thought about it worked on some it didn't okay i'm not gonna release my list but just it doesn't work for everyone booger (laughs) was not wearing white pants thankfully um but they had this their first take set in front of a pool it was at a the clevelander yeah the clevelander yes it's a famous i know it well down there you know (laughs) Why do you been, say it like that? Because I have been to the Clevelander many times. Okay. My One of my best friends from college, insider baseball. And again, we'll talk about football momentarily, but this is the far more pressing subject. <laughs> mm-hmm. One of my best friends from college lives in Key Biscayne on Miami. And so we have been to Miami many times, and I have been to South Beach and the Clevelander. And I know exactly what is in that pool and why there are so few people actually in the pool. Yeah, so during the show, everybody was kind of lining the outside of it and through all the guests, which I thought was pretty cool. They had this board made up of, they had the 49ers on one side and then they had the Chiefs on the other and it was like a scale kind of of what you were leaning towards. They made every single guest like plaster their face up where they were like leaning towards who they were picking. Everybody was bunched up in the middle because what we are these days is annoying just pick something um but one of the guests who plastered his face i would say maybe like on a seven on the scale towards the 49ers was christian mccaffrey and this is where the the cringiness came of booger is they asked him point blank they said who is the best running back in the nfl and without pause christian mccaffrey said me Sure. And it was a great answer, and everybody cheered, and their bathing suits, and behind the set, and like, it was it was a perfect answer. He didn't have to say anything after that. But then Booger goes, mm, I kind of disagree. And then he said that he thought that um, uh, Ezekiel Elliott was his favorite. Yes. And then not only did he say that, and what was you the facial wrong, expression of Christian McCaffrey? Like, just. Is this really happening? Like, get me, get me out of here, sort of deal. <laughs> but the worst was Molly Quirum because he then started to like list top five, and he was listing all these quarterbacks, and he was saying like Melvin Gordon when he's healthier, and he was saying I like um, Saquon Barkley, and he just went through this list of like seven different guys. Yes. And Christian McCaffrey is sitting right next to him. I don't, I don't care. I, I appreciate you not, you know changing your mind because he happens to be sitting next to you but at least be a little kind because of it and so molly kept like cutting in and saying are we really doing this right now do you not see like christian mccaffrey is right next to us can we have this conversation like off camera and it was just it was very weird and i don't know some of the super bowl coverage that i've seen like i'm incredibly jealous of all the people there it looks very warm all compared of the to sets our look beautiful and, and the beach looks fantastic yeah. but and I you and i are here shivering in the cold Exactly. But I think because other than Patrick Mahomes, there aren't like a ton of glaring headlines and topics and everything that people are kind of just trying to like create storylines. Embrace until Yeah. Until, of course, Tom Brady decides to tweet something very cryptic and take away all the headlines. Now they have something to talk about. You know what? Let's let's talk about that before we get to Vrabel and Derrick Henry. What the hell? Tom Brady and Giselle at NBA and then not at NBA and Titans Twitter doing the thing. Again, like the Marcus Mariota on IR rumor that spread 
uh, far and wide and ended up actually not being so. What the hell is going on on Titan's Twitter? Because I exist there, and I'm still I'm still disoriented by all the all the falsehoods and fake news just because people are so desperate to uh, to have clout on social media. <laughs> well, my day started when actually my husband texted me and said my coworker's little brother goes to MBA, and That's he said absolutely how it I starts. saw Giselle there, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" So I go on Twitter and I see everybody's saying it, and then we're getting emails to our newsroom. Um, we're reaching out to the president of MBA. They're like their spokesperson. And somebody asked just straight up, was Tom Brady there today? And he replied, no. And then it's this chain message that goes on our entire newsroom. And then somebody else replied, well, the rumor was that his wife Giselle was there. And so then they asked back. They said, okay, is Giselle yes. Bund- Bundichin? I don't know. I don't know how to say her last name. Was she there? Bunchen. Bunchen. Oh, I thought it was more complicated than that. No, no, no. Just Bunchen. Okay. Don't church so it I up. don't follow that. Sorry. Just like the coffee table book. Real easy. Okay, I like it. Um, <laughs> anyway, then they reached back out and they said, was um, Tom Brady's wife, and they listed her full name and everything, was she there? Just to make sure on the record, was she there? And they responded, no, no Brady's were there today. No Brady's. Which is extremely But <laughs> what about a bunch? Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, Tom Brady's oldest son was... Uh, he was conceived with another woman, so he technically has a different last name that starts with an M that I'm not even going to try anymore. Very uncomfortable. Um, Actually, so it was- <laughs> I remember her. She was like a bit actress uh, yeah. in a couple things that I've seen, and now her her I, I can picture her face and her name escapes me, which is useless for the purpose of this podcast. It is. So that's that's the high school age kid that they were looking for at NBA, <laughs> yes. whatever. So or after not. all of this, we're, we still, we're left with nothing. At all of this, Tom Brady graces our... Twitter feeds by dropping the most cryptic video that is almost as picture. polarizing, I would say, or picture, almost as polarizing as the, the what was it, the gold versus the golden white dress versus the blue dress. Because yes. everybody wants to know, is he walking in or is he walking out? What do you think? Uh, oh, so this is this is like... A, like turning it on you. This is like... <laughs> This is like a, like a session with my therapist. Mm-hmm. Like you get shown one of those pictures with. Uh, What's the first thing that comes to what, mind? What what do you see it's in like this a black particular paint picture? Splatter. Yeah. See, this is delightful to me because I I live I live for the trolling on the internet. And Tom Brady turns out spectacular troll on oh, the internet. Yeah. The first time getting this back to an actual football conversation. The first time that the that the New England Patriots have not been in a Super Bowl since 2015. And yet, Tom Brady still manages to hijack Super Bowl week in a way that when you Google Tom Brady's name, because I did this before we uh, started this podcast, the first thing that comes up right after is Nashville, because it was a headline everywhere yesterday. Pro Football Talk had to... Uh, uh, had to dissuade the information that was out there. Barstool ran with it like it was a total free-for-all in a way that is totally unseemly and makes me want Tom Brady here. <laughs> because yes. I want that. I want the it's circus. It's already starting. I he's want the circus so, so bad. Fun. It's never going to happen. He's either going to retire or he's going to go back to the Pats. It's not, it's not, and nor is it financially feasible here, especially with as we're going to talk about a running back who demands or is, uh, is saying the floor is Ezekiel Elliott money, which uh, we'll talk about that momentarily. Um, I, I know for a fact that he was not here. And I knew that over the course of the day because, like you, we had been tipped off uh, by various parties who 
one again. There was even a fake photo going around on the internet in the dark See, webs See, that's what of I wanted to know is if it's he said, she said, and then at some point it was a, a different school was in the mix as well because yes. he has a daughter and she can't go to NBA. So, but nobody had pictures. Like this is the year 2020 with high schoolers. Everybody's got a phone. There's no chance. And so the one the one photo that was was put out there was fake and was being circulated. But regardless, I I would love for all of that to be so. The interpretation of the picture is that he is walking into retirement because I saw a side by side of the Kobe picture. Yes. And the Brady picture, and given everything, the the cloud that has hung over us as a collective sports media, certainly, and you want to talk about overshadowing a Super Bowl in a way that a Super Bowl is not typically overshadowed, um, I think that there's legitimate perspective. So if I had to speculate based on the information that we know, I would say it's closer to retirement than a lot of us think. I think this is all for naught, but I think Brady's going to, I think I think Brady likes it. I think, in fact, I know Brady likes it because I see the way that he's making it about him on social media, and I delight in it because that's what I would do. But that's that was the later report that came out was that it was a tribute to Kobe. But yes. how much time and effort would it have taken to like hashtag Mamba Forever or Kobe or something? He knew by releasing that the Thursday before the Super Bowl with <laughs> no commentary whatsoever, None. no heads up, no hashtag, no caption. No caption absolutely nothing just dropping it also knowing that he's in the midst of his first like true free agency of his career and this is what come on man it makes me you know what you're doing oh no he knows exactly what he's doing it's not the left tackle that just signed with barstool shouts to the boys by the way (laughs) god it's only gonna make it more that's incredible (laughs) i can't but that's exactly what it was supposed to be working towards like that's the perfect fit for them Uh, yes and so congratulations to taylor lawan and will compton who bussing with the boys they have sold out to barstool no that's it's gonna be good they're gonna (laughs) they're gonna do a great job with it and i look forward to seeing the content that they produce as now a member of the barstool sports network but regardless taylor lawan is not doing first take no Derrick Henry is the star of the Tennessee Titans, the first identifiable national star mm-hmm. for the Tennessee Titans. Well, you remember when Diana Rossini came in? Because, you know, once the Titans start winning, then we see all these like new faces come in from J.L. networks. Brown. Who and are you? <laughs> I don't know who, who are you are. Who are all these people? Where have you been? Yeah, exactly. It's love great. That. But I, I loved the question that she asked Tana. I mean, I already knew what they were going to, what Tannehill was going to say to this, but she asked, I mean, do you see some of the ways that our network ESPN is promoting this game it's Patrick Mahomes versus Derrick Henry yeah. you're not on it well it's the same what do you way think that, about that it's <laughs> the same way that the Super Bowl's me being marketed it's Mahomes versus Kittle exactly. not Jimmy G yeah so I think that that's a the perfect representation of you're trying to say is that Derrick Henry is the one doing first take he's the one doing the car wash this morning because they're trying to make him kind of the front and center of the team but if it does come out that the numbers were just absurd and they do end up keeping Tannehill and they give him what they need to give him to stay in Nashville, you don't think there's any sort of like, oh, yeah, I get it. None at all. I don't think so. I just, I mean, and again, Twitter is not the real world. No. And I spend too much time on Twitter, which is probably <laughs> why, why, my, uh, my, why my worldview is so, <laughs> is what it is. But... I do think there would be a deep, deep resentment from fans who are just... I mean, you you remember how angry people were after the Marcus Mariota benching. 
like how out on this particular franchise that fans were and just the 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 it had gone from anger to disinterest and to apathy in a way that all of us fear because we all traffic in the interest of the people in their teams. And when you get to that point and you're just like, oh, shit. I mean, what is this going to look like for the next couple of weeks? I think that Henry gives them that in a way that they don't have anybody else that does. And Ryan Tannehill, they need to keep him. And Derrick Henry, I, oh, I just, I can't justify it. And I, we're talking in circles because we're both agreeing on the same point. Yeah. Does that make him worth more, though? I think it does. More than the stats that you just read. I think it does, but here here I am flip-flopping again. <laughs> you sound so sure. No, I'm not sure at all. <laughs> I know. I have no idea because I've never seen anything like him in my life. I've never seen yeah. he's, he's literally unprecedented in the history of football for the amount of work that he did. And also, I don't know what that's going to do to his body long term, yeah. even though he is a superhuman, even though he's built like a transformer. They have Optimus Prime at running back, and he doesn't get tired. But what happens if he does? Do they lose to Kansas City every time? I don't know. No, and that's why he wants all the money, too. Is yeah, he yeah. knows that his lifespan is, is short, <laughs> and that's how it is in the NFL. And that's why you want to get your contract while you can. So what if it's 15 annually for three? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the shorter amount of time. The six years is what's... That's what, what scares, scares me. the hell Especially, out of me. too, from, from the Zeke standpoint, he had been used a lot since the minute his foot touched in to the NFL. Derrick Henry kind of, you know, eased his way in. Didn't have his first 100-yard game until his second year, I believe. Only had, like, less than five going into this year. I mean... He hasn't really been doing a whole lot until last December and this year. So right. you have to count the first two years of his career, obviously. But as far as what Zeke has been doing now, and he's younger. I get that. Like, how much younger is he, I guess? Uh, than Zeke, not much. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott is, as I look at this now, that's Deion Lewis's contract still. Um, Zeke Elliott is not more than two years older than Derrick Henry. Yeah, and I'm fine overpaying if it's for a shorter length of the contract and if you do offer a five or a six-year deal you need some sort of like non-guarantees oh hell i think derrick henry might be older than zeke elliott no that's what i was saying oh okay yeah no zeke's younger yeah okay by two years yeah okay i misunderstood my fault so um yeah it's it's gonna be a fascinating situation to watch play out speaking of espn and first take and all of these things would you see Vrabel on television that looked very uncomfortable. <laughs> what he just they can't find him a bigger jacket? Like he's a he's a he's clearly a big man. Like we clearly. all understand the side of the size yeah. of Mike Brabel. And shouts to Coach Brabel on the Ferragamo Gator uh Gator kicks. Those were nasty. Yeah. I love those. I like the effort too, because sometimes you know when he comes talk to us, he's just kinda rolling out of practice. We're different. We're yeah. not Teddy Bursky. Yeah. We're not NFL live. <laughs> As much he's, as I might like to. He's play. more comfortable with us. Let's say that. <laughs> Make it a positive. That's it. We've been in a relationship longer. Now that's Vrabel being flirty in Miami on South Beach. Oh, gosh. The hell out of here, Mike. Move on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, it was a, okay, tell me your initial impression, though, outside of just the uncomfortableness of him on television. Like, what, it, you saw that and you thought what? He was good. He was good. He's very well spoken. I mean, obviously we see him all the time. Right. He talks to us more than he wants to talk to us. 
Um, but no, I was I was impressed. I think he's a good representative of the franchise and of the Titans, and he does a good job of being entertaining without immediately just shutting down a lot of those questions. And, you know, you see a lot of the other guys that go through the car wash as well, like saw Riverboat Ron a lot today. And, you know, he obviously has that kindness about him and the, and the connection with all the, um, with the media, because he's always been, you know, very, um, very kind to everybody and, and always willing to give, you know, one-on-ones and interviews and everything. But I think that Mike Vrabel adds a little bit of that, like juice kind of, I think he's, he's a little bit more fun than I would compare to the coaches that have been around for like a lot longer, which I was impressed. I, his appearance <laughs> was a little, meh, but his, his ability to take the questions and to answer them what seemed like fairly honestly. Well, and to have good. personality while doing it. Here's yeah. what I thought immediately. Like I go, that is such a smart move. I don't think it was done by the Titans marketing department. In yeah, fact, not I, every not every head coach talked this week. Mike Malarkey was not going to get up there and oh. do NFL Live. And, and there's nothing wrong with Mike Malarkey. No. Lovely man. <laughs> I hope he enjoys playing golf in retirement in Jacksonville for the rest of his life because God knows I wouldn't want to go to Jacksonville. But regardless, <laughs> they did, if it was Mike's decision, and I think it was, because Mike Vrabel isn't going to do stuff like that that he doesn't want to do. I think we can all we can all say yeah. that with agreement. Such a smart decision by him to get up on that platform in the week that is probably it's going to have more exposure than any, and certainly more than any that anything that the Titans are going to have, regardless of whether they would be, you know, regardless of how far they made or not made it or not, to have him as a representative of the Titans. On a, in a place where people can see, and he knows that he has that personality, obviously. We see it plenty, mm-hmm. uh, though maybe not as often because we see him a lot more often. Yeah. To have him on that, on that platform for all to see during Super Bowl week, such a heady play by him to know that there is a lot more marketing work to be done. That's why I, I like a lot of what John Robinson and Mike Vrabel do because they're out in public in mm-hmm. a market where they need to be. And I thought that was a great example of that and why I think that they're right for this place because they're not just doing the work on the field. They're doing the work off in the way it, in a way that legitimately matters. Amy does a good job of that as well. Yeah, she does. <laughs> She's the best. But no, I, I think that you're completely right. It's riding the high of the publicity, as we can call it, because the Titans are obviously still being mentioned in conversation a lot when talking about the Chiefs and the AFC Championship game, and so you might as well put a face to that and and put somebody out there. And then they're also being talked about adjacently with the Tom Brady situation as well. So it's huge. I mean, we're not used to everybody else in the world outside of Nashville talking about the Titans as much. They're doing an incredible job of it, not just being kind of little side notes with the Chiefs' ability to shut down Derrick Henry. They could do the same with the Niners or possible landing spots for Tom Brady could be Nashville because of all the connections. Mike Vrabel's out there in front of everybody and doing his own job of kind of pumping up the Titans and, and getting people excited. And he's a great person for that. He's a very good ambassador out in front. Do you trust him to call the defense next season? Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. I don't know. No? <laughs> I said I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. That's horseshit. Emily, come on. That, listen, I don't know. This, this, is not very, this is not very first take. You are clearly an avid first take viewer. No. You clearly <laughs> embrace debate. Uh, I think we should oh, all pass God. judgment on Emily Proud as a result. I hope everybody listening at home understands that Emily Proud's goal in television is to become this next Stephen A. Smith. I wish that for you. But why you cannot you not I don't know 
you either have a feeling about this or you don't. I don't have a great feeling about it. I don't, nah. I don't see it having that much success based on what we've seen from other teams that do it. I don't know. I just, I think that there's a place for head coach. And I think there's I, that to say, it's not like his hand is all in it already. I mean, he's already influencing it a lot. I know that he worked closely with Dean Pease, figuring everything out. Yes, Dean Pease was, you know, the defensive coordinator, but I'm sure Mike Vrabel was very into all of those meetings as much as he says that he's a he football coach pops clearly around a every, freak. yes and and he he pops into everybody's meetings but you know he is heavily involved in that defense and i'm a-okay with that i don't know i just why not have an extra person on staff to help with that he has enough decisions to make we roasted him for the first half of the season because each game he came up with a poor decision he finally got rid of that towards the end there but I don't know. I feel like there's enough on your plate already as a head coach. Why not collaborate with somebody else and get another viewpoint and another, you know, somebody to talk to about it? It's a totally it's a totally fair argument. And it's something that I said today on 3HL. Um, the best thing that Jeremy Pruitt did as the Vols head coach was learn how to delegate. That's exactly what I was thinking about. As an example, year. recently in our area where it didn't work, switched back to not calling plays anymore. And they seem to have found success. I think, though, that we are not taking into account, and I think at an honest moment, whether he would give it to you or not, I think that Mike Vrabel has a tremendous ego. I think that Mike Vrabel, I think that Mike Vrabel thinks that he can handle this without an issue. And I think that part of it does concern you because I think he thought the same about all of those decisions that we criticized him for mm -hmm. early in the year. I think that has... It bodes, it bodes ill on the whole, but there are a lot of examples because you said there weren't many that we could cite that have had success, and I would push back on that mm -hmm. and say that both of the head coaches in the Super Bowl are play-calling head coaches. I would say that Sean McDermott, who is incredibly successful, I would say at this point in Buffalo, mm -hmm. is somebody who calls his own defense. There is more and more examples of the people who you want to retain as coordinators you give them the head coaching job or you hire them to be a head coaching uh, a head coach elsewhere because they want this responsibility. Coaches are always going to gravitate towards more control mm -hmm. on things. And while I do I do cringe at the idea of the decision making at the beginning of the year, there's a part of me that is a little more willing to trust him mm -hmm. in these instances because of the way they haven't really given us a reason at least not lately not to I just, without understanding the scale of what it is to undertake play calling on top of everything else that comes with a head coach's responsibilities, I'm kind of leaning towards I'm good with it. I I have no stats to back this up, but just off the top of my head, that's it good. feels... <laughs> that's like when... This is why we bring Emily Proud... Yes, on the podcast, to make hardcore up investigative journalism about where Tom Brady and Giselle have been or not been. Okay, and well, none, no statistics. In my defense, up. I sit down and you then tell me the topics we're talking about. There's no like prep work. That was such a cop out by you. I'm just saying. You think I do any prep for this? Uh, no, I sit down and I talk. <laughs> okay, then then it's even. <laughs> anyway, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, I think. Off the top of my head, it seems like you see this more play caller, head coach thing on offense than you do on defense. Would you say that that 
was sure. true because I, f- I feel like that's where you see kind of the more risky decisions. That's where you see the going for it on fourth down. That's where like the fake punt comes in is after the offense stalls or I don't know. I, I see more of the risky decisions that we talked about had to do with what happened on offense. And I feel like I'm thinking, you said, Sean, I'm thinking of McVeigh. I'm thinking of LaFleur up in Green Bay. I mean, it seems like I see it more on offense than I do on defense. Maybe that's why I'm more weary of it. No, and I understand. I think that's just reflective of hiring trends. I think that people think that points matter more at this point and that owners are attracted to shiny and flashy things, and that's Mm -hmm. why all these McVeigh acolytes got jobs. And Uh, Andy Reid. Yeah, I mean, I can list all the offensive ones. I don't see as many defensive um, head coaches doing it, but, I mean, why not? Why not? I don't know. Emily Proud's position on Mike Vrabel is defensive play caller. Why not? I don't know enough about it. Who am I to say whether or not Mike Vrabel should call the defense? He is considerably smarter than both of us. I don't think that's true. I refuse to When it comes to defense (laughs) in the NFL. Well, we can contend that notion. And uh, just as Vrabel has tremendous ego, so so must we. So do you. (laughs) I I don't know. I'm smart enough to know. I don't know. Oh, mistake. You can't let them smell fear. Uh, (laughs) Super Bowl on Sunday. Because you've been entirely too gracious with your time. And on what I think is your lunch hour, technically, it is, yes. mm-hmm. this is obscene that you would come and, and tape a podcast uh, next to the shed with no Wi-Fi and Who no needs phone. needs food? <laughs> this, is, this is what fuels me. And yes, it takes. <laughs> Emily Proud, back on the 615 Sessions podcast, a fantastic guest co-host, as always, hungry and agitated and ready to talk and debate <laughs> Because she has been consuming first take at, a, at an obscene rate no. this week, clearly. Um, and Good has Morning met, Football is my favorite show. Well, that we'll watch that for hours. And entirely it. too friendly and happy. We must embrace debate here it on is. this program. <laughs> uh, follow her on Twitter at Emily underscore proud underscore proud at Emily proud underscore yeah. on Instagram. So difficult. I've been in a Twitter war with at Emily proud for many, many years. She won't reply to me. She hasn't tweeted since I think Twitter came out. So. Why do you save the best content for when I'm wrapping these things up? We'll talk about this next time. What is Alvin's Instagram handle? <laughs> at Alvin Frenchie. Follow Emily's dog, Alvin, the adorable <laughs> Frenchie. Uh, on his Instagram handle as well. You can check her out on WKRN. They have just done a story that will be available to you digitally as well as on their television broadcast about what the hell is happening with the soccer stadium Uh, because that has turned into something unexpected. Em, I appreciate you stopping by as always. Thank you for having me. A pleasure. All right, that is going to do it for us today on the show. Shouts. To Charlie Burris of the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. Shouts to Jim Nagy, Executive Director at the Senior Bowl. And shouts to Emily Proud, our friend in to guest co-host today. Meanwhile, you guys have to check out two things for me. You have to go and you have to follow A to Z Sports on all of your social platforms. That's Facebook, that's Twitter, that's Instagram, all of these handles at A to Z Sports. We've got all your National Signing Day coverage available at A to Z SportsNashville.com as well as Titans offseason coverage. I know my man Zach Reagan has a bit up about how Tom Brady, how the rumors came to be, who he was confused for at Montgomery Bell Academy. That is available to you at A to Z SportsNashville.com for your 
uh, consummation, not consummation. <laughs> That's an entirely different thing. It's been a long week, and I'm ready to get out of here. Meanwhile, you guys have to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you get the 615 Sessions podcast. You leave us a review in the iTunes reviews. You leave it with five stars. That's your question to the show. You pose those questions, and I'll answer them as long as they come attached with five-star reviews. So get that done. We'll answer them at the end of the podcast. A reminder that if you would like your music played here on the 615 Sessions podcast, submit your original music with permission of the artist, need that permission of the artist, to buck at a to z sportsnashville.com. Our fine staff, our fine team here at A to Z Sports, we will comb through your musical submissions. I know my friend Allie Collum has her new single on its way, and we will debut that, or not debut that, but we will play that for you. And if you submit your original music to us here on the show with your permission, we will attach the song at the end of the show, and we will promote whatever concerts and shows, gigs that you have upcoming. That's our deal to you. We want the musical community community involved here on the podcast, and I think that is a fantastic way to get that done. So, Buck at A to Z Sports Nashville.com. That's where you submit your original music. I am going to get out of here next week on the pod. Brett Kern has been texting me desperate, desperate it would seem, uh, the MV punter to return to the podcast to make his guest co-hosting return. So, Brett Kern will be at on at some point <laughs> next week. He's clearly got nothing to do. If he's texting me about uh, about coming on the podcast, which is totally ignoring the fact that I texted him desperately asking him if he would make a return as guest co-host. So Brett Kern will make an appearance, Titans punter, next week. I will talk to you, meanwhile, on Tuesday. So as always, stay hot, Nashville. This has been the 615 Sessions podcast presented to you by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com.